Well, thanks for joining us. I, I, I want to say it again. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. You guys, I love saying that. Uh, just love it. And, and I love it with uh, the businesses because you know how many of them want to be able to say that kind of thing. And so anytime you say Merry Christmas, even last night at Marshall's at whatever, 10 o'clock at night, I was like, Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> so keep on talking about Jesus and all those types of things. Well, today's a special day. Tomorrow's going to be incredible. Uh, if you've ever been to our Christmas Eve service, it's maybe one of the favorite things that we do all year for me. It's just a very, very special time. I'd encourage you to invite your friends and family to it. Really, is a family-type uh, event. We'll have the kids in here with us. Uh, we'll do some really silly things uh, that uh, religion sometimes doesn't do, but uh, we, uh, as Christ followers, we feel like there's permission to do those things. So, uh, A.K.A. Randy on a ukulele, Pastor Randy on a ukulele. So, uh, going to be a lot of fun. But uh, uh, Trevin and I actually are also working on a little ditty. We'll see if it works out. There's going to be some serious practicing going on this afternoon at the Birch House. Uh, if we can pull it off, uh, it should should be good. But here we are, last Sunday of our series. Do you hear what I hear? Looking at Scripture, specifically at Scripture and how it talks about hope and how it talks about joy. And last week, anyone remember what we talked about? Peace. And I, I hope you brought that message with you into your life, right? This, this life that we live, you need the peace of God. You need the Prince of Peace to help you. So hopefully you uh, didn't leave it at the door and, and brought it home with you. But today we are looking at life, the life that he gives. And I know that God cares for you. I know that he loves you. I believe he wants to encourage you with his word. And, and even those past three messages, if you missed any of them, go online. Uh, you can go on Facebook. You can go on SermonNet. You can do podcasts. Just watch these messages. Let them seek in. Go in deep. One, one guy was telling me how much he hates my messages because they challenge him and they challenge him in his attitude. So that's probably a good uh, indication that you would need these messages. So again, just read them, uh, listen to them, watch them. But today it's on life, life, and, and not just, and as with the other three services that we've done, not just the life that he brought 2,000 years ago, but also the life he's bringing today. Just this past week, church, step-by-step, uh, step, the pregnancy center that you guys, you above and beyond, just the amount of presence that you guys brought in. I don't know if you saw the lobby last week. It was, it was just gorgeous, beautiful. And you guys are good at wrapping presents. That is uh, not something I do, but way to go on the wrapping of presents. But uh, they came in, and she uh, was able to collect all those presents. And I'm telling you, I just thought this right here is a demonstration of the life that Jesus brings. Now, many of you know Cheryl Grunenfelder. She just got back from a trip in Ghana, three weeks in Ghana, an amazing journey. And I've actually asked if she would be able to share just a, a little bit uh, at the beginning of my message on the life that Jesus is bringing to the village that she just visited. So I'll let her share the details. Would you please welcome Cheryl Grunenfelder to the stage? Good morning. That's interesting that he would say life. I was gonna, as I, when Pastor Dan asked me to share last week, I was a little hesitant just because of just getting home and the jet lag is not too high, and um, Christmas and working. Cheryl, and so. you put a, put a oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and so, uh, as I was thinking about this day, and I told him that I would do it, Thanks. and um, it's 
seven years ago, so, so I wouldn't have been able to do this journey without the class, so I'm just going to brief over this. Um, it's part of my testimony that at some point I would love to be able to share. But seven years ago on this day, I had a near-death experience, and um, it wasn't my time to go, so the Lord brought me back to life. And in that, uh, my life changed completely and radically. Um, and like I said, without that, I wouldn't have been able to raise my kids. I wouldn't have been able to. Uh, I'm very thankful every day of my life to be able to uh, stand before you. And so um, this journey actually began about six and a half years ago. Um, through, And I'm going to brief through this just because I have a short period of time to uh, talk about all the things I wanted to share with you. But um, six and a half years ago, uh, Bishop Banks had invited me to a Ghanaian uh, fundraiser that I attended. And um, I was the only, I'm just going to say white, white girl, white person, but I was, the only, I was the only white girl at this event. And it was, it, it, uh, it was interesting. It was all Ghanaians, and it was up in Everett. And then after that, um, uh, that went on to Pastor Richard, who was also Ghanaian, who asked me to be part of a, an orphanage that was in Ghana. And that was in 2014, and that's when I started attending LifeSpring. And then I met Reverend Ray, who I sat on his floor for several hours and listened to his stories about Ghana. This is right before he passed. And then Pastor Dan had asked me to, um, he said, the Lord has asked me to um, ask you to go to Ghana. I don't know when we're going next, but I would ask that you pray about it and um, let me know if. And so eight, nine months later, and that was in February of 2017, we went to Ghana. So this has been very much a God-led thing through mighty men of God. And that was very evident to me. And so in that, you're going to have challenges where, where things come up because uh, the enemy is going to try to change that direction for you. But I knew it was very clear that this was God-led from the beginning. So um, I'm going to go ahead and this, um, in June of 2017, uh, June that we just had of 2018, um, once I realized that I was going to be doing some work in Ghana, I filed uh, my nonprofit for an NGO for accountability. So I knew that um, as money was going to be exchanged there, that there would, they would be held to the law, laws in Ghana, which is why I filed for my NGO if I was going to be doing a business in Africa. So um, on November 26th, I'm going to go ahead and... Um, I'll start. Oh, there we go. So November 26th, I um, boarded a plane. There's 300 pounds of luggage. And those suitcases were filled with uh, school supplies and um, tools and uh, wood carving. So I did some research on what the village did and um, how they could make some money and to, to try to help them with uh, making money on the roadside and selling things. So all that stuff stayed behind except for my handy-landy little ba uh, backpack um, from Kent Ross. <laughs> and so anyway, um, November 26th, I boarded a plane, and I, um, my layover was in New York. And once I um, got on the plane in New York, then uh, I began to get a little bit nervous and anxious because the plane was filled with Ghanaians, and I was the only white girl again. <laughs> and so 
anxiety started to creep in, like this is real and you're really going to Africa and you're by yourself and get ready, get set and go. But once I sat down and, you know, we talked to the, well, I do talk to the people on the right and on the left, the lady on the right of me, her name was Angel. She was this beautiful Ghanaian woman. And the lady on the left of me, her name was Grace. And so there was this, there was this word from God that you're going to be okay and everything's going to be fine. And it wasn't until three weeks later when I touched back down in New York that I saw another white person again. And not that that matters, but you're, you're, I say that because I was very immersed in a way in this culture um, that I had never experienced before. And not being able to download with somebody who understood you at the end of the day or have electronics or have any of the things that we're so used to um, the only person I had to talk to was God at the end of my day when I was alone and, and it was dark. And, um, but that was okay because he'd been preparing me for the past seven years for this trip in a, in a pretty amazing way. So the next picture here. Okay, so this is a, the very next day once I got, got in, um, Richard, who is part of my nonprofit in, in Africa, um, we went to the village, and this is uh, the chief and his wife. And we sat down to have a conversation about where the well was going to be, some of his other needs that he had, and to just, this was a meet and greet, because this is the first time that I had met him. He knew about me, and I'd been communicating to him through Richard. But um, anyway, so, so this is him and his wife. And then the next, the next one, um, this was the school children. So met the teacher, and... Um, basically all the school supplies that we brought, and then we also um, decorated the, the school with um, educational materials and that sort of thing. Okay, the next one. Uh, we brought soccer balls, and up until that point, they would play soccer with plastic bag balls that they, they made, just little ones that were made out of um, um, plastic bags, and so they were super super excited to get some soccer balls and then we also established some coaches in some neighboring villages and set up a way for them to start playing um, with teams and so go ahead the next one this was the water hole where they drew their water from and it was about a mile away and so um it, it's not moving. It was very still. So this is where they would come down to to get their water. And so I journeyed down there and uh, to see exactly where they got their water. And um, then I stuck the water on my head, and I thought I was going to be walking back with it, and that didn't last very long because <laughs> I was smiling, but I was not very happy at that point, not to mention it's like, super, super hot right now in Ghana, and the humidity is pretty intense so that smile is just very superficial <laughs> so the next picture please so then I also brought um, some farming stuff and some seeds now that they would have water I knew that they would be able to they're farmers um, by nature but they'd have to they worked for farmers uh, who did have water or but they're also stone crackers so it's very very difficult work they go into the mines and it's limestone and so they call it stone cracking, but they um, basically mine lime, limestone for other people, not for themselves. And so I brought seeds. This is, um, I was teaching the villagers um, how to plant the seeds that I had brought. 
and did some research into the soil and what kind of seeds would grow where where they were at. So um, basically, nobody spoke English. Um, very, it was very, and if they did, it was very little. So Richard would translate, and I would play charades and draw pictures. And um, I could always tell when they understood something because then they would all start speaking tree. And um, so it was, it was very interesting. Richard's behind me, um, you, pretty much always behind me translating anywhere I would go. So um, that was a lot of fun, and they were very excited to get the seeds. So I told them next time I come, I expect to have some big crop. Because this is also, I brought enough, I brought four pounds of seeds, so it would be enough for them to grow for themselves and then also to sell along the roadside and then also to hold back some for them to plant some more. And then we also talked about composting. So the next slide. This is, this is... These names are um, Kakama Bonasi, and this is Chief John. Uh, Chief John is on the end, Moses is in the middle, and Gabriel is next to him. So um, this is another village. Two days before I left, um, we went scouting for other villages that didn't have water, and this was one of them, and their journey and so I made I tried to make the journey as much as possible down to the water holes this this one made the village of Agajor look um, very easy it was steep and it was rocky and it was just like I was sweating bullets when I came up and I was just I can imagine doing that walk every day three times a day just for water so um, anyway some very you can see the looks on their faces there's almost this uh it's, life is very, very hard, very, very difficult for these, these villages. So this is a, one of the villages in need um, of water. Still, go ahead. What's the next one? Uh, this is another village. This village is Yawanasusu, and that is Chief John in the yellow. So these villages knew that we were coming to discuss um, the possibility of of bringing them water and so they would come we'd sit down and have meetings and so um, Richard is on the right there the chief's wife Gladys is on the right far right and then Bright Bright is the gentleman from Agajor village the one that we brought water to and he found these villages uh, for us to go into and so he spent two days himself looking and then he took us into these villages and we had to hike uh, to these places, and it was it became very interesting because Bright speaks Krobo, and Krobo is different than Tree, and Richard didn't understand Tree, so it became this. The chief would talk in Krobo to Bright, then Bright would translate to Richard, then Richard would translate to me, so it was this double translation that was, um, it was really interesting. So the next one. This is the last village we came to. This village has a thousand people in it, and they don't have water. Um, this one is called Omakaku, and this is Chief Patty Doe on the right in the yellow, and then his elders and the elder's son, and that's Richard behind me. So this is the water tank. We got the. We spent two days. These are a little bit out of order, so I apologize. We spent two days um, digging for water. The first day, we hit mud, 
and that was that's usually not desirable. They want to hit rock, and then they hit the water. Because they hit the mud, it continues to cave in on itself, and so it makes it a lot more difficult. So we had to spend two days um, digging, and the second day they sunk 17 uh, three-meter, which is like 51 feet, or excuse me, 100 and what is it? It's 51 51 meters, which is 167 feet, which is how deep we had to go to finally get the water. Then it took a couple days for um, the water to run, for the mud to clear out of it. Then once the mud cleared out of it, then we were able to put in the filter and the plumbing and get the electrical in. And then they sink the electrical and they send it to this tank and they built a mason built the base and then the tank goes on and then the water pumps into this tank and then they've got two two faucets so they don't have to pump it or anything it's just two faucets that they get to turn on and so they have running water and as much as they want that tank holds enough water on a continual basis for a village of a thousand people so my job the first couple days was to sit there I documented I have video I have more pictures than than I'll ever need. But um, it was for sponsors and corporate sponsors that once I come back, because my goal would be for all of Ghana to have water, but this first year would be to identify 12 villages and do a village a month and have corporate sponsors, churches, schools take on and sponsor a, a well or two people sponsor a well a month. So that's... The, that's my goal right now. So this this basically was all completed by the time I left. Um, my job basically was to make sure everyone stayed on track because African time is very much um, it's whenever they want to do it. <laughs> but um, Cheryl entered the village, so they knew that I had three weeks to get done. I knew that I was uh, I had other people to be accountable for, and I wanted the job completed before. I was done, so some days that sweet little girl that was sitting there with a smile on her face was, was, uh, okay, we got to get done, you're going to be on time, and and so I was pretty adamant about that. So this, praise God, the job got completed. Um, The people had water, they were ecstatic. Um, They would be lined up constantly, just drawing water, drawing water, drawing water. I mean, what an amazing thing for them to be able to have that gift of water. So the next one. Okay. Able to have a successful year. And secondly, I thank the people of LifeSpring and Pastor Dan, through whom he was able to raise this amount of money to make this project come to reality. I know it's not by our power our strength, our mind, but it is the will of God. We thank the people of Land Spring again for their donations, for dedicational supplies, and other things that they added to it. A lot of people of Agoja are very, very happy now and excited and keeping them in their prayers. Whoever spent the time, the time, their money, their resources, they are very, very, very grateful. And they say, thank you. Medasi. Medasi. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Thank you, Pastor Dan. And then next year, we have 12 village projects. 12 village projects. All these villages needed water. Some of them needed school building. 
So we are praying that God will also keep touching the hearts of people of life strength to be able to help make this cause a reality. We thank you, Pastor Dan, again. We thank you, Madam Cheryl. We thank you, all, all the people of Ghana love you. We thank you. We thank you. We say, Medase, 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 Medase. God bless you. Amen. So that was in, in very short, um, my journey to Africa, and it would not have been possible without everybody, um, your support and donations, and um, it takes a village to help a village. And so anyway, I just want to thank all of you. Come on, church. Oh, you got to stay up here. We, we got to pray for you. Did you catch that? That today... Seven years to the day of her near-death experience. And look at what the Lord is doing. Every picture, I just saw the life that Jesus is bringing in through someone who almost died. And and praise the Lord. So would you just stretch out your hands? And Lord, I know that for Cheryl, this uh, was a trip that she did more in three weeks than I I think any of us could do. She just (laughs) was incredible during that time. But I also know that there's an exhaustion and fatigue to that. Uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, and we pray that right now in this moment, uh, amongst these believers, amongst uh, this church, that Jesus, by your spirit, you would give back to her anything that she has uh, poured out, Lord, that you would just pour back into her right now by your spirit, pour pour in in supernatural and miraculous ways into your daughter. And we thank you, Lord. What a job well done. But we also know, Lord, that um, there, there's future plans that she has and vision for this. And, and we just pray that you continue to lead her well, Lord, and encourage her as she uh, walks forward in you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Madasi, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done uh, in uh, and through this wonderful woman. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank her one more time for being awesome? So good. And I know as a church, we would love to be able to hopefully help do one of those wells once a year. I think that would be amazing. So we got one up there, so pretty cool. Well, the rest of our time, if you have your Bibles, open them up. I want to spend our time looking at that life of Jesus, really diving into the significance of the birth of Jesus and how and why it brings us Life. I don't know if you're wired like me, but I'm always asking questions, the pre-med biology major that I am. I want to know why. I want to know how. And with Christmas, one of the great questions, I don't know if you've had this question before, but why does Jesus' birth even matter? Right? So what? Why does it matter that he was born 2,000 years ago? Specifically, why should it matter to, because I'm American, me? Right? Why does it matter to me, maybe you've had that same question before. Maybe you believe, maybe you're like, you know, I believe Jesus was a man. I believe he even walked this earth 2,000 years ago that he lived. And sure, he died, but you can't, you still are just struggling, wrestling with how does his reality affect my reality? If that's you, you are not alone. Many of us have had those same questions. I was thinking about it this week. Today's message might put some of you asleep. 
I just want to warn you ahead of time, but I have a feeling that this message is for somebody out there today, that God loves you so much that he laid this word on my heart, and you know that you've come here this morning and you're seeking the Lord. This is a word the Lord gave me earlier this week, that you've come here today and you are seeking the Lord. You're asking if there's more to life than you are currently living, but I want you to know that as much as you're seeking him, he is seeking you today. He put that on my heart. He is seeking you today, and he's going to find you today. And if you say yes to the life that he brings today, your life will never be the same. So I hope you're ready. You ready? Come on. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I love this message on life because that's who you are. You bring dead things to life. Would you speak in vibrant, colorful, and beautiful ways today by your word? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so you got your Bibles. We're flipping through a whole lot of scriptures today. If you need a Bible, let us know. We got them in the back corner. If you want us to get you one with your name on it, those types of things. If you need an archaeology Bible or a other kind of Bible, we want to get you a Bible. So, again, on that connection card, fill it out. We want to get it into your hands. So we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John is in the New Testament. So flip kind of towards uh, three-quarters of the way through that big book into John. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 1 verse 14. In verse 14 we are told that the word God himself becomes flesh. The word becomes flesh, flesh and made his dwelling among us. God himself becoming flesh. Who is that church? Say it like you mean it. Yeah, come on, it's Jesus. And that's what we celebrate, right, at Christmas. Again, you can go to so many festivities in the Pacific Northwest. You could sit through hours of festivities and never know that Christmas was about Jesus. Have you noticed that? You just haven't seen the Jesus float at the Jesus par- or the Christmas parade yet, have you? But actually, Christmas is about Jesus. And we celebrate the day when Jesus came to earth. The eternal God, eternal God, stepped into time and space. He became flesh and blood. And now in Jesus, we have a man, flesh and blood, but we also at the same time have God. Maybe you've heard that said before, that Jesus is both fully man and he is fully God. It's an incredible thought, really, right? A man, just like you and me, he's also the eternal God. And so this birth of the God-man, this moment when God became flesh, it was actually prophesied by a prophet named Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Christ. 700 years. So just imagine, we're in the year 2018. If we got any math majors in the house today, uh, what's 700 years ago? What, what would that year be? So we don't have a lot of math majors in the house today. What, what would that be? 1318. Okay, 1318. I actually looked up on Wikipedia what happened in the year 1318. I would share some of those events if I actually knew what any of them were. Um, actually, actually uh, my wife filled me in that um, in Braveheart, there's a man named William the Bruce. Rich, no, William the Bruce, right? Rich, Robert. Robert the Bruce. Well, Robert's brother Richard died in 1318. So there, there you go. Uh, we, we, we got one. <laughs> but uh, as I was reading, I, I just want to encourage you, uh, when I saw that Wikipedia, the thought, the main thought was just, wow, that was a long time ago. But imagine with me a prophecy from the year 1318, uh, around the time of the Bruce's, uh, coming true 
today. And that's what we have in Isaiah. So in Isaiah, we're going to look at chapter 7, and specifically chapter 7, verse 14. So we're in John 1, 14. Now we're in Isaiah 7, 14. This is what he says, and maybe you've heard this before. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. We just sang a lot about God with us, Emmanuel. And we know as Christians that this prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus, born of a virgin. Anyone remember the virgin's name? Right, she had a name. She wasn't just called the virgin. Her name is Mary, but it's divine conception. So here we have it, Emmanuel. Now God with us. God with us. A couple of chapters later, chapter 9, so flip a couple of pages. He prophesies again, verse 6, about Jesus' birth. He says, and you've heard this before, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, say it with me, church, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's only two Old Testament prophecies that we have about the birth of Jesus. If you look in Micah, we're told that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. If you look in Isaiah chapter 11, you're told that he's going to be born in the line of David. But then if you keep reading your Bible, eventually you'll get through the Old Testament, through Malachi. Then you'll make it to the New Testament, into the book of Matthew. In the New Testament, you now have a written record, a written account of the actual birth of of Christ. We've been walking the last three weeks through this birth of Christ, looking at the events that surround the birth of Christ. Anyone remember what book of the Bible we have been walking through? Luke. Absolutely Luke. But right now I want to show you that account from the book of Matthew. If you go to Matthew, and again, this is the very first page of the New Testament. Uh, again, chapter 1, verse 18. So you had John 1, 14. You had Isaiah 7, 14. You had Isaiah 9, 6. And now you have Matthew 1, 18. It describes how this virgin birth came to be. The reason, by the way, I'm telling you where these are because I want to give you the tools that you need if you ever want to explain this to someone else. So Matthew 1, 18 tells us this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, again, she had a name, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So again, now we have the account of this prophecy fulfilled, the birth of Christ directed by the Holy Spirit through Mary the Virgin. God now puts on flesh and blood. A couple of verses later, same chapter, same uh, uh, book, the angel of the Lord visits Joseph. And the angel gives Joseph some confidence of this divine miracle of God. He, he says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus conceived by, from the Holy Spirit, God, man, right? The God, man, fully God, fully man, through Mary, through the Holy Spirit, possessing both divinity and humanity. Divinity, humanity. In John's Gospel, first verse of John, this is what he says about the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word. You, you heard this one before? It's beautiful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, but that's not the end, right? He says, the Word was God. 
And again, John 1.14, and that word became flesh. Now, for us sitting in this room today, I just want you to hear this. This matters. This matters. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, you must believe that Jesus is more than just a good man who walked on this earth. You have to believe he's more than a holy man who's just really good at following all the rules. But as Christians, see, we believe he is the eternal God who has come to earth in the flesh. He is God the Son. And the fact that Jesus is God incarnate, it has great implications for our faith, by the way. Because this means God, he doesn't just interact with his creation from somewhere right up there, high above the heavens. Instead, God, he's become approachable. God has become touchable. So this is a pretty big deal for you and I, a big deal for humanity. And there's a great mystery to it all, right? I'm still discovering every day more about Jesus. I don't think I'll fully understand on this side of heaven everything about Jesus. There's a great mystery to all. Can you just agree with me? There's a mystery to God. But there's also a great wonder to God. There's a great wonder to to Jesus. I, Jesus, church, he should still take your breath away. He should still take your breath away. That you think about what Jesus, God the Son, did for you and me. I am in awe. I am in wonder of Jesus. Jesus came and walked with us. He talked with us. He experienced everything of human life. Have you tried to live the human life before? And he experienced it all. And yet he lived a perfect and sinless life. And yet I want us all to hear this today. Not only Did God the Son, full of God, full of man, not only did He come to earth and live that perfect life, not just as God but as one of us, but He also went in His body full of flesh and blood. He went to die on the cross for you and for me. God with us, Emmanuel, in the flesh, born in a manger, born in a manger, fully expressing God, His love, His mercy, His righteousness, His holiness, His compassion, His glory through His life. But He also expressed every one of those things through His death. Emmanuel, God with us, died for you and me. He died willingly, by the way. He died with intentionality, with a purpose, with a plan. I don't know if you've heard this before, but the world has a sin problem. Have you noticed? The world, sick in sin, guilty in sin, dying in sin. The Bible tells us, Ephesians 2, 1, that as for you, you were dead. I'm not going to make you repeat after me, but you were dead in your transgressions and your sin. So we needed help. We needed someone to save us. Our, Our sins would keep us eternally separated from this holy, glorious, and perfect God. But then Jesus' death made a way where there seemed to be no way. And today for you, Jesus' death can actually make a way for you if you feel like there seems to be no way. In our culture, I think we struggle sometimes with the death of Jesus because we look at it from that modern day perspective. We don't really know why he had to die and we don't get it so we don't talk about it. We just kind of avoid it. But you've got to remember, Jesus, he was a Jewish man. He was a Jewish man in first century Judea. He is surrounded, born by a Jewish family, spends most of his time with Jewish people. And and these Jewish people, God's people, God's chosen people, they had been performing temple sacrifices. Have you heard that before? Temple sacrifices, killing animals, 
shedding the blood of animals to cover their sins. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, you're, you're told this, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's the word of God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Not one of us has hope of forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so for you or for me to spend eternity with a perfect and holy God in his presence, to experience real, true, eternal life, you and I need to be forgiven of our sins. We, we need to be born again. We need to be washed clean. Anybody know what that's like, right? Like, man, I, I need somebody to come help me. I, I need to be washed clean. You, you need to be declared righteous, perfect, holy, without even one blemish, without even one single stain. And if you put your faith in Jesus... That's exactly what happens. That's what happens. In fact, the Bible tells us that he himself, First Peter says, he himself bore our sins, your sins, my sins in his body on that cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wound you were healed. Isaiah, he says, he was pierced through for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. Jesus died for your sins. Hebrews, again, tells us in chapter 10, tells us that our high priest, the high priest meaning Jesus, he offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Listen to this, church. Let this blow your mind. Good for what? For all time. Where those, high, those priests had to perform sacrifices again and again and again, this high priest, once good for all time, laid down his life for us. And then what does it say? He sat down. In the place of honor at God's right hand. I hope you caught that. He offers his life as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. This baby boy, born in a manger, he lives and he dies that he might be a sacrifice for you, for your sins. But all you have to do is put your faith in him, believe in him. That's what John 3, 16 tells us. For God so loved the world, loved you and me, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their belief, their faith in his life, but also in his death, you shall not perish. You will not die. Instead, you will have eternal life. And so with this Christmas series, do you hear what I hear? That's the life that Jesus offers today. Romans six twenty three says, the wages of your sin, the wages of my sin, guess what it is? It's death. But that gift of God... The gift of God, it's eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so he offers life, a gift of life. It's the best gift that you could receive this Christmas. And I don't know if the holidays have been good for you or if they've simply been the worst. But regardless of how you came into the sanctuary, right now, in this moment, your maker, the one who made you, the one who knows you, he offers you the gift of eternal life in his son, Jesus. I want to close by reading something. Uh, one of my favorite preachers, Louis Giglio. I don't know if you heard of Louis Giglio, but ultimately I just love anything he says. But listen to how he describes the life that Jesus offers. I hope you can receive this today. He says, the gospel is so much more than a self-help message. Without Christ, we weren't just bad. We weren't just unchurched. We didn't need a little help. Without Christ, we were dead. And being dead is a huge problem. <laughs> dead people 
can't do a thing to help themselves. Not one thing. Guess if you're half dead, you're still dead, right? So the gospel begins with really bad news, he writes. All have sinned and can't do a single thing to improve their standing with God. But the gospel ends with really great news. The gospel begins with people who are spiritually dead because of the penalty and the power of sin. But through Jesus, the spiritually dead are raised to life. He says the gospel isn't simply a message of how bad people become good. It's the power by which dead people come to life. It's not about Jesus making us a little better. The gospel is about our cold, dead hearts starting to beat again by the power of God. As followers of Jesus, we are the resurrected people. We are those for whom Christ has done what we could never do ourselves. By faith alone, he writes, by faith alone we trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do, God bursts into decomposing hearts and he breathes new, everlasting life. The gospel is about resurrection. It's about who you are trusting right now with your life and your eternity. Amen? Would you bow your heads? I want to pray with you today. Some of us know in this moment we're in desperate need of this life. You know it. Even as I read it, just something jumped within your spirit. You need the Lord to burst into your heart and to give you only what He can give. And so I want to lead us in a prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of belief to ask Jesus to come into our lives, to lead us, to save us, to forgive us, and to give us eternal, everlasting life. Some of you might be praying this for the first time. And so church, would you all just to support them, would you pray this out loud with me? Just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are both the complete God and the perfect man. Thank you for being born with our humanity and becoming a real and genuine man. With both divinity and humanity. Say it like you mean it. Thank you for dying for my sins. Lord, I receive you right now. Thank you for coming into me to be my life. Lord, live out in me your wonderful life that expresses you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.